Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Hello there. This week, the story is about one of the great support systems in movie history, and it comes in the form of a wonderful best friend character, slash uncle character, slash crazy wizard character who we all know and love, named Obi-Wan Kenobi. And more than ever, it would appear that his eponymous TV series on Disney Plus is going to be called exactly that, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we started this new week with the uh, exciting news that the show is going into production, I think next month, and they've revealed a bunch of new uh, cast confirmations, people we can now say with certainty are going to appear in some level in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So was this a big surprise to you? Because you hadn't mentioned anything about this when we had dinner last night. No, uh, it's not a big surprise, but it was one that I wasn't expecting. It was not something that was necessarily, I mean, also a Monday is when I think about it, there aren't really many releases because we do most of our recordings on Mondays. Right. And the fact that it's usually never anything too major uh, that has just come out. So... But when I thought about it, uh, the, the announcement that filming is starting in April, uh, if I recall, I think I always knew that. Uh, maybe I thought it was May, but I knew it was one of those two months. Um, so logically, you're going to have to announce your cast at some point. And so the fact that the Indira Varma thing came out uh, a couple weeks ago, it makes a lot of sense that the rest of the cast would then come out. Uh, but at that same time, no, I wasn't thinking about it. And so when you messaged it to me, uh, it was only, uh, I think, a half an hour old at most. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I hadn't seen it. And so I, that was it was just awesome news to, to be able to go through the cast and uh, to know so many of the names. Totally. <laughs> that, 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 that's what's absolutely incredible for it not to be a ton of familiar faces in the sense that it will be like two star studded, but in the same vein, still striking like checking a lot of boxes in being people who have proven themselves uh and proven their capabilities there are no obvious misses in this group so uh the official star wars twitter account shared this grid of uh 12 headshots and uh, most notably of course ewan mcgregor that's that's not new information we knew he was coming back uh and we knew that hayden christian christensen was coming back as well is this one of those situations where we all but had it confirmed. Is this like the the final uh, confirmation or did they in fact come out and say previously that yes, Hayden will be in the show? Yes, they have on, I think two different occasions uh, confirmed that one. But interestingly enough, uh, they do have a little snippet of dialogue that goes with this. And this also aligns well with Kathleen, what Kathleen Kennedy said prior. And that's the story begins 10 years after the dramatic events of Revenge of the Sith, where Kenobi faced his greatest defeat, the downfall and corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice, Anakin Skywalker turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. Okay. So specifically, the plot is about Obi-Wan's failure of Darth Vader as his apprentice. And Love it. also, everywhere Hayden Christensen is billed uh, alongside Ewan McGregor. They're billed as co-leads. Uh, and so that's something that maybe isn't going to be the case, but is further cementing the likelihood that he, this is not a cameo and that he is going to be a very key, key role for 
everything about this show. I never expected uh, him to be a, a cameo, but uh, it is notable that Darth Vader famously um, consumes less screen time than he requires in order to make an impression upon a production. Now, some of that is a testament to um, David Prowse uh, or or James Earl Jones, who presumably will have a role in this as well, although it's it's interesting he's not a part of this grid. We don't know. Uh, we, I guess we don't know. It's it's not the least uh, replicatable thing in digital audio, but it will uh, it think, will be something people kind of push back on if there is absolutely no James Earl Jones. True. I think his name is Scott Lawrence. I could be wrong, um, but that's who does the the voice in Vader Immortal and uh, Jedi Fallen Order and maybe Rebels as well. Uh, he kills it. He he sounds more like he sounds more like seventies uh, eighties James Earl Jones than two thousand tens James Earl Jones sounds like James Earl Jones. So it would make more sense to go with him and throw Hayden in the suit. I mean, just because Hayden was in it for Revenge of the Sith, and I, he's an athlete in that regard and, and can be capable of it. Uh, so those that would be my choice. But at the same time. Going in, if James Earl Jones, if they're okay doing a different kind of auto-tune, really working on it and doing a little bit better of a job than they did on Rogue One, I'm going to always prefer it to be James Earl Jones, but it needs to sound better than it did in Rogue One. Well, and also, uh, even that movie is a long time ago now, and James Earl Jones is in his late 80s, and so at any time, he might decide, you know what, this is just a little bit hard for me vocally. I don't think that I'm up for it. It's not just a a function of whether or not the dude is alive, because it's such such a physical and tactile uh, performance, the the Mm -hmm. Darth Vader thing. Helpfully, it's something that can be enhanced with digital technology without that having to be disguised too heavily um and as long as you mentioned rogue one you know they didn't put hayden christensen in rogue one for one obvious reason why would they he's not going to be unmasked but the fact that Mm -hmm. he's appearing in this for two reasons um i think that it's it's predictable that he will be unmasked hayden christensen for two reasons uh because he's famous and that is curious to people, but also because hmm. his chemistry with Ewan McGregor is established. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he has uh, owned the mannerisms and a fighting style that is Anakin and to be able to have someone, <clears throat> to be able to have him be the one to transition that to the Darth Vader fighting style as well. That'll be really cool to see. And to be able to really blend those characters is something that you and I can appreciate, but a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate about Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker in seeing that they they see a disconnect between him being Darth Vader. Whereas if you show them as one in the same on the screen, it's going to help unify that for a lot of people. And even more so, even more than just in uh, like a back to recovery tank, right. doing it in a way that I'm okay with them repeating the exact same beat that they did in, in, in rebels and that Ahsoka breaks his mask in a fight and his, you can see part of his face. Yeah. Uh, and that is a final confirmation for her. So if Obi-Wan were to do that again, I'd be okay with it. Or if Anakin did it in a way of, he was able to remove his mask so that he could specifically confront Obi-Wan and like, like, look at what you made me sort of thing, uh, furthering to try and like 
mess up Obi-Wan and throw him off course before trying to, to, to fight him. Uh, same question about Joel Edgerton. Did we know for sure or did we just assume? Uh, we just assumed we did not know at all. Uh, and so that is awesome to be able to see, uh, as well as Bonnie Piesh or uh, Pies, uh, or PSA. I don't actually. That's a bigger, that's a much bigger surprise. So it is. She had essentially no lines in the prequels. She was just kind of a stand in to be next to Joel Edgerton, who did the talking as Uncle Owen. Um, his, he had few too as well, though. And he did for sure, but he's a little bit more notable as a famous person. In Certainly the, now. In the time since, Bonnie P.S. went on to be in Nexium. Like she was consumed mm. by that cult. And when, when that documentary was going around last year, um, I watched it and was so interested by the fact that like Baru 2 got sucked into this famous uh, celebrity's cult. Um, this is the one with, uh, well, it's the one where the guy just got like a million lives in prison or whatever. It's horrible. And she had been, uh, she had removed herself from the organization before it got brought down. And so hopefully mm -hmm. she's she's thinking clearly and everything. Anyway, all that to say, when I acknowledged her previously on the podcast, I'm pretty sure I said, I highly doubt they'll use her in Star Wars again because it's easy to replace mm -hmm. that role. But that they didn't is kind of neat. It kind of validates and helps to coheed the rest of the the universe. Yeah, it says to me that they had a conversation with her and that they feel, oh, okay, this is really someone, this is a victim and uh, this is somebody who's trying to get things on the right path. And in, in that capacity, they felt comfortable uh, with returning her to the role in that same way. And so that's, I think that's a good thing. I, I think they've done their due diligence on this and uh, I don't think there needs to, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a really, I think it's a good thing. And uh, hopefully she gets some lines. Uh, the character, I'm significantly more interested in is of course Owen, uh, but it'll be nice to see. And it'll also, of course, always opens the door as well for, will there be a, a little blonde haired 10 year old? That's that's what I wanted to ask you next. So obviously there's no uh, 11 year old actor here on this grid because that would tell you right away who they're playing. That would be no mystery. Yeah, and no th kidding. Th they want that to be an impactful reveal. It just, it seems so unlikely to me that Owen and Baru could be in this and that you'd never see 10 or 11 year old Luke, but this is exactly when he would be that age. Um, it's exactly the halfway point or pr basically the halfway point between uh, mm -hmm. episodes three and four. And, and Luke acknowledges that he knows, or is at least tangentially aware of an old Ben Kenobi. And so that they could interact minimally is very conceivable. Yeah, it, it does make some sense. I would be more okay with it being background at it, like sort of character style. Um, I I don't need to see a, a young Luke. I don't want to see a, a Luke Luke being anything integral to the plot other than a, a motivation for for Obi Wan. Yeah, uh, and so. It's a tough one. It would be a tough line to walk. Uh, I think it would be odd to not have Luke there. Um, it, it all depends on how Owen and, and Ben interact. And so if Obi-Wan is coming around, then it makes sense for Luke to be there. It right. would be almost weird like, oh, no, Luke's at school. Oh, well, that's convenient. Uh, or even if you have school. him off in the distance, that's what they, that's what they did in rebels. Yep. They showed him, they showed him in a distance and showing Obi-Wan 
kind of creepily watching him. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you even hear Luke. You yeah. hear that little like two note yeah, melodic. Do. Yeah. A classic, a classic brew. See if Bonnie P.S. can perfect the, the two note Luke. If she can. That would be awesome. If she can, I'm totally in her corner. I'm, I'm here oh, for that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, they announced Moses Ingram is going to be in Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's most recently been seen as Jolene in the Queen's Gambit. And she, and she was great. In she that. rules in Queen's Gambit. She's full of mm -hmm. charisma. Yeah. No, really, really great actress. Uh, and uh, I didn't recognize the name. And so when I went through and saw, I was like, oh, she was, she stole the scenes yeah. and uh, absolutely could be a really just fun character to have. And there are a few other actors here who bring a lot of uh, charisma to the screen. And so I'm not quite sure what exactly kind of role she would play, but it's very, very, very likely a new character. Uh, one thing to consider uh, with all of these characters is what timeline they'll be in. So I think that there's going to be a good, maybe I personally, if you gave like, I would love it. My first choice would be every episode starts with a five to seven minute flashback. Okay. And then we have, that would be a, a dream. And then you get your 40 minutes of modern time. That would be amazing to be able to have kind of, or to have them even spliced through a little bit. But uh, I would, I would like a, a good chunk of flashback to be able to, really add to the story of Anakin and Obi-Wan. A flashback so to when? To the Clone Wars. Okay. They're getting old so to be playing those characters from that they're, age. No, they're get, they are, but that's in the sense that the de-aging costs would be pennies. I guess. for Because they both look phenomenal for their age. And Ewan McGregor, especially with the beard, would be able to hide it. True. And also because he was in his late twenties or early thirties when it, when Phantom was, sorry, when Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith were, uh, whereas Hayden Christensen was, was a teenager, but even still Hayden Christensen looks awesome. And so I, I think they could do that in, in a right way that they want to be able to utilize that, the character relations enough that there'll be good flashbacks. And so I think some of these characters won't necessarily be in the timeline we think they are, yeah, uh, but that does, and, and I think I saw somewhere someone even threw out a potential of a, like a young Ahsoka, uh, and I don't necessarily like that idea, uh, but I don't dislike that idea either. So it would be kind of interesting because, uh, but in that same vein with makeup, you might be able to de-age Rosario even easier than anyone. So, uh, you're talking you know. about, uh, for example, Simone Kessel as a young Ahsoka. Sorry, yeah, because uh, that's who, who we were still talking about, correct? I, I don't or know. No, um, Maybe I missed no, that. Mo no, no, no. We were talking about Moses Ingram, weren't we? We were talking about her. I'm just looking at their pictures right now, and I see more of a Rosario Dawson and Simone Kessel, who I otherwise don't recognize. Um, I, I I could be wrong that maybe it was Simone Kessel who they were talking about, but I think Simone Kessel's uh, a little bit older than... Uh, sure, maybe that's right. Yeah, the thing so, about about Moses Ingram, yeah, she, well, she's in, like the same age. And in Queen's Gambit, Moses Ingram uh, really uh, proves that she can play a breadth of ages because while they have two actresses playing Beth in that show, Moses mm -hmm. Ingram plays Jolene across both timelines. And I mean, some yeah. of that is a testament to the production design, but she sticks the landing. And I don't know, something about the attitude of that character is just really transferable to Star Wars. She has a real, you must be new around here kind of vibe to her, which yeah. is wry and, and kind of 
cocky, kind of like confident, but like very charming. Uh, and I think that's easily placed in Star Wars. Um, as long as we well, mention- There's a Dickensian sort of vibe to that um, orphanage that she's at. Yes. And, uh, and that, of course, is what they're really hitting at in Solo. And so there's a vibe you can always get with that with Star Wars. Um, I guess Simone Kessel, we don't have anything more to say about her. She got like a notable credit. She's been in some like uh, kind of WB-oriented um, procedurals, something called The Reckoning. She was in Outlaws. Uh, a lot of TV episodes. She's been on a lot of series. She's been a regular on a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, but nothing big. Like this would be her big break, I think. Yeah, it's it's certainly, she was the one that uh, I knew the the least about even after going through and matching up the names with the faces. How about Rupert Friend? You you seem to kind of have an idea of who oh. he is. Yeah, oh, he was in Homeland. Okay. And uh, he was also, he played Hitman. And uh, I uh, he was also in Pride and Prejudice, I think, as well. Yep. I don't know why, but I think I saw that maybe in school or something that made us watch that. Um, he's just, he's a phenomenal actor. He's deeply intense. Yeah. And he screams Star Wars. He absolutely screams star wars the way that he uh, presents himself he could be a cassian type character like an overly serious rebel uh, but i think he absolutely is a slam dunk uh imperial or even uh inquisitor for vader so uh one thing that's interesting there is there's no tomorrow morrison and tomorrow morrison i think it's still filming boba fett yep and so that dis credit some of the potential that Cody would be uh, Vader's hand, uh, man on the ground looking for Kenobi. And so that still could be the case or maybe not. Uh, but there could be a slot open for Vader's right hand Imperial in this, whether that is a Sith Inquisitor or whether that is just an Imperial officer. But I think Rupert Friend is, is that guy i think that's who he will be playing yeah. and he is such a damn good actor i don't know him as an actor but i'm looking at pictures of him here it, i mean if we're sticking with the traditions of how they cast star wars there's no question this guy's going to be evil just by how mm. openly british he is i mean yeah. he looks like a posh kind of ominous british son of a bitch um yeah. and and great you know like a handsome guy he's kind of got this funny little mustache here in the headshot that they shared of him um, let's go down. Benny Safty really threw me because I didn't even knew he. Was, I didn't even know he was an actor. No, he's when I clicked him, it was the all of his direction come up, and I was like, okay, that's why I know it. he's a Safty brother. So he did Uncut Gems, and that's the only reason why I know of him was because uh, Uncut Gems was uh, a podcast movie darling, whereas all the podcasts I listened to, everybody loved it. Yeah, and so that's where I'd heard the name before, but. Uh, Tell me, tell me what you know about about Betty Safdie. I don't know. I just know that he and his brother wrote and directed both Good Time and Uncut Gems. That they're like, okay, good. that they're really, well. really like wild writers, like really visionary creators and ballsy. Um, without giving anything away about those two movies, but um, there, there's no reason that they that they can't be involved in Star Wars which is not even to imply that Star Wars isn't ballsy. I guess where I'm really hung up is that I just didn't realize he was an actor or that he would want to be some kind of like D-list character in Obi-Wan unless he himself is a super fan. And as we always talk about in this podcast, 
That's really the only credential I, I desperately need you to have to work in these shows. If you happen to be a good artist, that's also an asset. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where there's the, the disconnects on like the, the Phoebe Waller bridges. Uh, amazing artist, but didn't even know what a droid was in Star Wars. Right. Uh, I also found out recently that Nick Frost turned down a role in The Force Awakens because it was what? too small of a role for the amount of time he would have had to have taken to do it and the amount of money he would have gotten for it. Um, and I'm thinking like, oh man, you're, you're, you were offered that because you're a known Star Wars fan. Apparently it was, um, I don't know exactly, but it was offered in a similar capacity to uh, like Umkar Plutt for yeah, Simon, Simon Pegg. Peg, so yeah, so like it would have been maybe like, they could have been like a two-headed alien maybe, who knows? Oh, that um, would have been funny actually. That would have been really interesting. And what a terrible shame. And, and you know, like if you're not if you're not available for it or you're 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 just trying to look for a way out of it because it makes you anxious, that's fine too. But like it's just no time to get ego-y. No, it's not. It's like this is such a cool opportunity. So if this is a tiny, tiny role, <clears throat> then I mean that's even great. And so good for this, good for Benny Safdie, I think. And as well. Maybe him being around on set uh, as like a bit of a creative consultant as well. That could be something that they're interested in and are, are trialing out because why not? Right. And and there's there's this growing trend of uh, twosomes, like pairs of young men, whether they're brothers or not, who work in these like big blockbuster mediums. I'm thinking also, of course, about who are the two brothers who do the Avengers movies. And Russo brothers. The Russo brothers. Or or Lord and Miller, frankly, to, to yeah. loop in the Star Wars of it all. And good time in Uncut Gems, nothing like I really want to see in Star Wars. But whatever. Ryan Johnson, like, though. Like you said, foot in like the he's door. Got, he's got Ron Bergman. Yeah. And so, like, there's always, like, even, like, the man behind the curtain sort of thing. Like, even, like, uh, what are they... Uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Adam McKay. Adam McKay and sometimes yeah. one of them will slip away because they're not necessarily as needed for what they do. But yeah, and there's there's certainly some power in that for sure. Yeah, uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg. There's always like oh. a lot, a lot yeah, of uh, good one. yeah, a, a lot of boys clubs, frankly. Um, yeah, Sung Kang. I don't know this gentleman. Um, he was in uh, Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, yeah, he so looks he like actually, he's in all of them. He's in a lot of shoot 'em up movies. Yeah, he, uh, funny enough, he plays a guy in Fast and Furious movies named Han Sol O. Which is just a joke, obviously. Of course, it's just a joke, but that's a, 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 a fun little play. And so, I don't know, maybe that implies that he's also a big Star Wars fan, which would be great. Uh, I, think I think it does imply way, that for sure. Yeah, I think there should be way, way, way more Asian representation in the acting side for Star Wars uh, and just in Star Wars across the board because of the amount of uh, Japanese influence in particular. Yeah. Um, but across the board, Asian influence, a lot of Mongolian influence. Uh, and so I think it's a, a, just a great thing that should that should be seen on camera as well. You've got someone like Deborah Chow behind the camera. Uh, and so uh, he's he always plays kind of like a side character. Uh, and so his is doesn't have a whole lot to say in the Fast and the Furious movies. But uh, he's smooth. Uh, he plays a very cool character. And so 
Um, I would be surprised if he played a bad guy as well. He played a fairly likable guy in, in the Fast movies. Well, what you're describing, and I'm not the biggest Fast and Furious fan, but what you're describing is that he shines in an ensemble. And really, that's the kind of area where they should be plucking these people who we don't yet know as like major A-list movie stars, but maybe have that potential. They should be going I, to those movies that have had millions and millions of eyeballs on them and and cherry picking the people that actually are 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 uh, suitable to be on like an even more grand stage. Well, funny enough, his love interest in those films is Gal Gadot. So <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there you go. Jeez, lucky fella. Bef before, of course, she was who we know to be Gal Gadot. Yeah. Uh, and then I think they wrote her out. No, uh, it's also, I think, worth mentioning as we discuss, and we maybe suffered from this a little bit in all of our uh, anticipating Rise of Skywalker. It's really easy to get caught up in who's this person going to play? How are they going to impact the story? How how uh, mammoth will their footprint upon Star Wars be after we've learned who this new person is? They can confirm somebody as being in the show who only turns up in one episode. They might only have two scenes. Absolutely. That can totally Absolutely. happen. Look at like a John Leguizamo. Uh, Absolutely. He was just in the intro of, uh, it was just a cold open for what was a movie style episode in, in the start there done by Favreau. And so it really can be tiny, tiny parts. This feels more like a movie than any of them. Yeah, kind of does. And so that is a little bit different. So I think there will be some carryover. Uh, but you're right in the sense that if we treat this like a movie, though, it broken into four to six parts, could still die in the first quarter of the movie and then oh, yeah. be done after episode one. And so, or like I said, I think some there very likely will be at least one person here who is not even alive or would never be played by the same person in the timeline that uh, the show mostly takes place. I think there's at least one character here who is a solely like a, a flashback character. Interesting. Okay, then let's go to Indira Varma, who we've talked about a little bit more because she was, in fact, confirmed about a month ago. Mm. We don't know a yeah. lot about her as an actor, but it seems to me you had a couple of uh, predictions about who she could be in relation to Obi-Wan's character. Well, just that she has such a, a striking uh, shape to her face. It's so angular. I see and it. it. I see it in for that sure. capacity, it just you go to Satine because of how angular it is. But then again, Satine is also so pale. Yeah, she's fair. And Indira Varma is not at all. So it's kind of a tough one. Uh, that was really the only thing I went to. And then there was, uh, I guess, I, I never really thought about this until now, but it goes, it's consistent with what I was just saying is there's also, there's Ventress as well. So uh, Asajj Ventress, if they were to do a flashback, uh, I don't know how necessary Ventress would be to appear the same way that I don't know how necessary a character like that would be like Ahsoka would be to appear. But then again, Ahsoka has value to the relationship of pass on what you learned and the, the master to the apprentice, the master to the apprentice sort of thing. Uh, and Ventress also had a very interesting relationship with Obi-Wan and Ventress is somebody who uh, was evil, was an evil apprentice who turned good at the end of her life. And so that could be something that could be a bit of a metaphorical representation to have there as Obi-Wan tries to do the same for Anakin. Uh, so if that's something that there could be some logic to go with there as well. Um, and even if we're thinking about Ventress in that same capacity, there's no reason 
Simone Castle or Moses Ingram couldn't also be. <laughs> I mean, so like that one, because Ventress is bald, completely the color white mm. um, and has face tattoos, um, with like black lines. It could be literally anybody. So, you know, there are going to have to be some characters who make some grand growth there. There's going to have to be some some major development if not of plot, then of then of people in this story, because what we know is oh, yeah. what what comes before and what comes after, and I know that's kind of the great mystery and and excitement of the Obi Wan Kenobi series, but it also kind of crimps it from being able to develop the character of Obi Wan Kenobi too too much. We can build inward and learn more about him, uh, and we can hmm. do the same with with Vader to an extent, but we're probably going to have to like get to know and love some of these people so that the show feels full and satisfying in its end. That's absolutely true. I think to a degree, we need to look at it as like almost like an exponential curve as a character's growth. Yep. And if you look at what we got with the start of Solo, uh, if you wanted to make that a trilogy, you're only getting that little entry point. And frankly, it, it, it doesn't do enough. It doesn't start up with a quick enough curve. Um, it doesn't pick up enough pace to see the character growth as to what you will come to see Han. And in certain capacities, you see some inconsistencies as to, oh, they wouldn't become that character. But what we've always loved is the fact that Phantom Menace, Ewan McGregor, all the way through Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, you see that progressive growth to the Alec Guinness that we know. But because there's still 20 years, we do still leave the majority of the growth up to interpretation, yep. but Ewan McGregor did such a good job in the early part that we see the rest of it and how it's gonna grow. And we see the way that Liam Neeson played Qui-Gon so well that we're able to interpret, okay, they had that relationship and oh, wow, perfect. Qui-Gon is kind of that middle ground between where we leave Obi-Wan and where Obi-Wan ends up. And so he's, oh, he learns from Qui-Gon in that time period. We can totally see how he becomes that Jedi. But in that same capacity, Obi-Wan, as Disney just describes right here, uh, is suffered his biggest failure. This is a decade later. Obi-Wan is going to be miserable. He is going to hate himself. He is going to hate what he's done to the galaxy. He's going to be afraid for what will come of Luke Skywalker, uh, what will come if Vader finds him. And so I think we're going to very much see a lot of growth in Obi-Wan. He will find peace. And I think his journey to becoming a force ghost uh, those trials will be done in some capacity through this series. I think that that's makes the most sense to be the reason to spur him on a journey to want to save Vader's soul. Right. Well said. Somebody I'm really excited about is O'Shea Jackson Jr. It's not yeah. something I ever would have pulled. I wouldn't have concocted it. Although I, I do think he's a top 35 actor under 35. I think he has, like, he just oozes personality and and he's had the opportunity to play, like, dramatic roles. He's also really funny. So he's funny as, like, the best friend sidekick in Longshot, which is the Seth Rogen, uh, what's-her-name movie, Charlize. And he's also in the movie Ingrid Goes West, which not a lot of people saw, but it's kind of like a dark comedy and he's just straight boyfriend comedy in it. And he has this funny quirk to the character that kind of feels like this organic thing that maybe O'Shea Jackson just came up with where he's just obsessed with Batman and he just can't stop <laughs> talking about Batman. And that just kind of in indicates to me that he probably has a certain amount of uh, nerd appreciation in him. And... Um, He's got a friggin' great smile. Yeah, I've only seen him in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was phenomenal in that. And 
yeah, he, he just oozes charisma. Uh, like you said, he's got a great smile. Uh, wouldn't shock me uh, just because of the amount of uh, charisma and the age uh, there could be, and also, of course, the race, uh, there could be some form of like Moses Ingram. Maybe they could be like siblings. Uh, it wouldn't blow my mind. Uh, he needs to, he needs, there's likely going to, whether he travels off Tatooine and meets up with people who need his help, or he stays on Tatooine and finds people that need his help. Um, there are going to be characters that he comes across that, he needs to just be a good classic Jedi for, uh, and that will be part of his path. And he needs to balance the being just a classic Jedi with saving Luke and then potentially redeeming Vader. So it could be interesting to see the, the relations that he'll have with just people. Do do you think O'Shea or, or anybody else in this grid has the potential to be a Jedi? Like, will this show at all deal with some of the other Jedi in hiding? That kind of would make sense. I think it's possible um, from the way that they look. Uh, Sung Kang, Rupert Friend, they kind of, uh, Simone Kessel, they kind of give me a Jedi vibe. Um, Sung Kang maybe could be Sifo Dyas if you do a flashback okay. to early clone army. He kind of has a bit of a look as to how I picture Sifo Dyas looking. We've only ever seen um, kind of an animated. Uh, depiction of him mid Sith torture. So there's really, we don't have a whole lot, but that's kind of how I pictured him looking. And and, and remind uh, me, sifo was was kind of the creator of the Kaminoan clone facility, but it's also was kind of just, well, an, it, was an aban- it was an abandoned twist that was going to turn into Sidious, right? The name kind of sounds, sifo kind of sounds like Sidious. Well, there's a, there's a parallel there. It was a type, it was a typo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, it was a typo that because um, they did at that at this specific point, Obi Wan doesn't know who Sidious is. Uh, right. They say that it's a man called Tyrannus, ah. um, but then they change it entirely, and then they go with, "Okay, let's make it this new character," as opposed to Sifius, which became Sifo-Dyas. Mm. Um, they said, "Okay, let's make it this new Jedi, Sifo-Dyas," and then we'll have it so that he's dead. And then they'll do like this Tyrannus handoff sort of thing. Whereas he placed it because Tyrannus tricked him. And then Obi-Wan's able to inherit it, even though they don't know what they actually have. Syphilis sounds so much like syphilis. Oh, yes, it does. And it's spelled like it, too. It's just, it would would just be inviting too much. There are already too many weird things about about Palpatine. It would just get... Or maybe it may have been Sith Deus. Yeah, that would make more sense to be the the typo because Sifo Deus, but... Uh, it, it was a, a fun little typo that that made its way into a new character, or potentially just some other Jedi that that is uh, newly introduced. Um, Kamal Nanjiani, maybe he's in uh, superhero uh, Marvel shape. So yeah, that's that's uh, who I was. Quinlan Voss, he could mm-hmm. maybe be that character. That I was I was saving cool. him for last because I'm 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 so surprised. I mean, I think he's easily the biggest surprise here on this list, and Definitely. and he has made the transition he's like big time superstar now and and you said you know he's like he's a hunk now um what do you think about for kumail because he's funny he's kind of the whole package there's no reason he shouldn't be able to fit into just about any kind of position for star wars yeah but he is gonna have his face in the eternals and he's already become a big enough star prior to that um 
he has such a, an interesting voice. He has done a lot of voice acting in the past. And when you hear his voice, it sounds like a great droid voice. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Opinion. That's fair. Uh, so droid would be my first choice and guess. Alien would be second. And then after that, I mean, if he's going to be uh, a human, then that's that's fine. But I, I think it will be very distracting. Whereas I think he would be a killer droid. I, I think that would be a, a perfect fit. He fits the the Richard Iowati, uh, or in, in my personal uh, goal is for one day, or I shouldn't say goal, hope is for Nicolas Cage to be a droid in Star Wars. I think that would be amazing. Really good. I mean, a la Spider-Verse, because he actually like yeah. is so hilarious in Into the Spider-Verse. It's a great, yeah, I it's think a great they, call. I think that that would be that's been my my long term one. I think I think that was from one of your very first got a cast ones. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just uh, I think there are some people who just would play that really well. And I think Kumail is one of those. I think he had kind of a, a silly alien character in uh, Men in Black International. OK. And so it wouldn't also surprise me if he was a weird kind of. Uh, like an Ardenian would be a really cool animal as uh, an animal, but alien for him to play. That was what, uh, Rio, John yeah, Favreau in yeah. solo. So I could definitely see something like that too. There are some, some people in this cast who are capable of being very funny uh, and not the least of which of course is Ewan McGregor. Now, for some yeah. reason I had this idea that the show was going to be noir and, and, and kind of self-serious that they were going to try and do some kind of tonal shift because the gravity of of Obi-Wan's uh, sadness was going to be so prevailing. And I was really ready for that. On the other hand, I'm very, I'm very comfortable with Star Wars making me, you know, exhale nasally mm. now and then. And so you think they're probably going to cut the same comedic tone as usual? It, it seems like they got a cross section here. I think they need to. I think when you watch something like Rogue One, I think that is the bare bloody minimum of comedy that you can have in star wars uh it only comes from k2so yeah there is m maybe one no not maybe there's at least one great line from cheer right um but there might be another one from him but it's for the most part it's it's and it, 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 it's noticeable that yep. dryness it hurts on rewatchability but then again you look at something like empire and mandalorian you could have some ridiculously serious things but those are probably also the two funniest sources for star wars content as well yep. as we realized when we just talked about that recently and realized that our honorable mentions list was just like a hundred grogu moments yeah. and so <laughs> it uh it, it makes a lot of sense to have a, a very serious tone but it needs to have that kind of good padding of a, of a fun little world. So there's one other notable absence from this list, and I, I think we can probably explain why that person is absent, but it's it's Liam Neeson. They're, okay, uh, there, there's a couple, but sure. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest one. I mean, probably for the same reason I mentioned to them not include a little boy here, is like if you see him there, yeah. you know who it is, and it kind of neuters the, the impact Jimmy of the Smith's moment. Jimmy Smith, too. Oh, Jimmy Smith, I hadn't even thought about Bail Organa. You know, they probably yeah. could have, assuming that he is going to turn up, they probably could have stuck him on here without it, like, giving anything away. Yes, but it increases the likelihood that you're going to assume that Leia will be in it. Yeah, it makes it, a, it, makes it the Luke and Leia show. You're right. 
because and but yeah and then yeah. people start to notice wait a minute all the parents are in the this the larses are you're here gonna, yeah you're you're going to give me Luke and Leia aren't you and so they also did stick Natalie Portman here and wouldn't that be cool uh she's in the yeah. she's currently working for Taika and what does Taika have on the books coming up oh a Star Wars project she could use a little redemption in Star Wars too yeah, no kidding. Uh, I personally think so even more than Hayden. So flashbacks <laughs> yeah. like we're talking about. Except it would be, wouldn't it be a bummer? Like as much as we've like celebrated Hayden Christensen on this podcast and like we do not like to rail on people who have the right attitude and we like to like, you know, pick out the things in the prequels that we like best. Wouldn't it be mm. one of the great bummers of all time if Hayden and Natalie had a scene together and they still sucked together? <laughs> Like, which they probably the would. Is, they probably would. You're right. The <laughs> chemistry was just bad on screen. Yeah. Although George Lucas was bad at directing yep. it. And like Hayden was uh, like a teenager at the time. And um, Natalie Portman was, uh, has been vocal since. And other, ca and other cast members were vocal about her having a tough time doing yeah. those movies. Right. So, but yeah, I agree. It would be a, a beneficial thing to see. Uh, and yeah, Liam Neeson is the one that I think has to be. Like I said before, on the Force Ghost journey, it just makes too much sense. It's too important. Uh, he's been doing the the press tours for one of his million movies that he does, uh, and he he always brings out the little the lightsaber, and it's just it's something that that he loves, and the character is so essential to this transition for obi-wan and yes. so it'll also be interesting to see if we get yoda like will there be some form of force ghost community will, will, will uh obi-wan go to dagobah oh wow will that be how he communicates with qui-gon uh because there's also the notion of is the is there a force nexus on tatooine is that what protected luke from vader and that the it was similar to the way it was on dagobah if that's the case is that forced nexus or hidden temple on Tatooine where Obi-Wan will communicate with Qui-Gon and that would allow Qui-Gon to be able to manifest himself as a force ghost. So that right. makes perfect sense. I love that. Or will Obi-Wan travel off world? I personally think that it would be cool if there was a hidden uh, Tatooine force temple. It would make, it would kind of explain everything along with the fact that that's where Anakin was born. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you find out like, oh, Anakin, they say Anakin was three years old when he was sold by Gardula the Hutt to Watto. Right. So maybe Anakin is from the other side of Tatooine and Obi-Wan has to travel to the other side of Tatooine, which is like this even more rough and intense place. And that's where Anakin was born. And just so happens that he gets a strong force feeling and realizes, oh shit, this whole place is like built right next to a Jedi temple. And then that starts his whole force journey. I freaking love cool. that. That all sounds really great. That sounds yeah, excellent. actually that would it would explain a lot of the it would it would actually patch up a lot of the plot holes that are pretty small plot holes and not even really plot holes, but some things that people like to create around kind of a, a new hope and and why Vader couldn't find Luke and things like that. I really like the idea of them just going balls to the wall with this show, just like bringing back as many people, have as many aha moments as possible. Uh, yeah, Dagobah is really fascinating because it's all we've seen of Dagobah has been so insular and so practical and so to mm -hmm. see that recreated in the volume would be fascinating it would i mean it would look beautiful but they could make it look more real and uh and that would be really something it would, would be, be really so cool surreal to see like better yoda 
in like a better Dagobah. Better is not a word I feel that comfortable with, but like this like original Yoda status, but in yeah. a, a more modernized capacity that would be kind of like blow you down. That really would be. And yeah. we know that Frank Frank Oz hasn't lost a beat with his Yoda. Nope. Uh, and so that's what's that's one thing that's awesome for sure. Tell me what you think about the title of this series, which appears to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, it's actually one of those ones where I think the one word title is the perfect title. Uh, and I usually don't agree with that, but I think Kenobi is the landslide perfect title because it's from Obi-Wan to Ben. Yeah. It's that transition. And I know that the the book was called Kenobi and I, it's fine because, but similarly to Solo, it, it, it only had two options really. <laughs> And but does it, Solo can't we was try called and, Han Solo somewhere else. So can't we try to be a little bit more creative? Like like Star Wars movies have these like fun serialized kind of flashy comic comic booky titles, but fundamentally by like that's that's kind of one of their traditions. And then for the movies or these side stories, we've started to be less creative with our titling of them. And I don't see why they're not going to get fewer eyeballs if they call it like. The, the twin sons of brotherhood or, or some like like weird like like if they actually I, I, play on the, the 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 duality of of these two uh lost yeah. lost friends well, the tw- yeah the, the tough thing is is that you people will call it something different you want people to call it what it's actually called and i think that's going to be like in, in the same reason why everybody still calls mando mando and not din Djarin. um it's because it's just kind of like it's it's setting a bit of a precedent and when the show you already know it's going to be oh it's the obi-wan show you're talking about it long before it comes out when a title is released it's still called that for the longest time people called the han solo movie han solo and in some countries they went with calling it han solo yeah just because it was easier to do it that way uh and in that same vein those epic uh, serialized titles, I think, need to be for more epic serialized tales. This is a one and done. And same with Rogue One. It's a one and done. I mean, hell, Rogue One, they kill the entire cast. But it, like Solo, for example, in, in retrospect, that wouldn't have made sense to have it do a Solo trilogy Solo 2. What the fuck? That's a terrible title. Yeah, um, nice. But in, in that same capacity, the Obi-Wan show is a, is a one and done. We're doing, we're doing one season. It is about this one specific thing and it will not sequentially lead to another uh, return of the blank. It won't be return of the Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but it is so in I, itself I just, the return of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like if they wanted to call it the return of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think that would be better than this. Or they could call it something kind of... With something kinda, with Kenobi in it. Okay. Like zippy or like give... Or, or call it you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi story as like a subtitle or something. I think that would just the, like artistically, I just find it very, very kind of lacking. No, you know, that's, that's fair. As long as it has Kenobi in the title, I could, I could definitely get behind a title that was more creative. Well, like what but you're I describing would require it. What you're describing uh, where they want people to call it the right thing is the reason they called it that 70s show look people are going to call it that 70s show so let's just call it yeah. that 70s show and that's funny all you know, the titles of friends episodes absolutely the one with the, the one with the orange juice uh, counter to that is that 
The Big Bang Theory is a terrible title for a TV show. It has nothing to do with the show. You can't even really like think of some kind of like exo-philosophical reason for what the Big Bang Theory has to do with like nerdy boys living across the hall from a hot girl. It has nothing to do with anything. And in fact, everybody's grandmother calls it Sheldon. Did you see Sheldon last night? And it didn't hurt the Big Bang Theory at all. No, that's fair, but this is something that's a little different. Big Bang Theory is not on TV. This is something where they're trying to pull people into a service. And from a business perspective on Disney+, Plus, they need to name things Falcon and Winter Soldier, Wanda Vision, The Mandalorian. Well, they're one, going so literal on all of these titles. I just, I guess I disagree because the Mandalorian, Mandalorian is not a word the layman knows uh, and it certainly isn't before the show The Mandalorian. WandaVision also is a way better title than Falcon Winter Soldier because it has a, a double entendre. Falcon Winter Soldier it sucks. It's a bad title. Yeah. Want, WandaVision does have... It, that, that is a, a creative title. But The Mandalorian... It, Mandalorian is almost as old as the word... It might actually... It actually is probably as old as the words Boba Fett. Yep. So it actually... As much as it isn't as common to the layman, they couldn't call it Boba Fett. So this is actually as common as they could have called it. And The Mandalorian's not that great of a title, except for the fact that he will, in the end, become The Mandalore, which right. is, or or Grogu will become The Mandalore, which is the 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 heir to the throne right. or the dark saber of Mandalore in a rightful capacity. And so, but... Yeah, I, I I agree. There is some laziness to this title. I think Kenobi would have been clever because you get both of it with that, even though it's not clever. Uh, it has a way of being so. But yeah, it could have been cool to see something with Kenobi in it that was a little bit more uh, like the, the the call of Kenobi or something, but not that. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say about this news or is there any other Star Wars news you'd like to get to? Because we've been just talking about this one announcement for the whole podcast. Uh, just a couple other things uh, that uh, Simone Kessel and Indira Varma uh, also share a similar resemblance and could also be potentially siblings of sorts, too. Sure. Uh, and also of a similar age in that capacity uh, and similar ethnic uh, uh complexion yep. uh, as well one other thing i wanted to focus on uh just regarding the show as a whole is where do you want this epic ass fight to take place where do you want to see vader and obi-wan throw down do we want to see this on naboo do we want to see this in a space station no. do we want to see this on an ice planet do we want to see this on like ilum uh, well, let's rule some things out. Later, Star Killer Base. Let yeah, that's uh, interesting. We we got to rule out okay. Tatooine because we know that uh, Vader doesn't come to Tatooine to find Obi Wan there. We got to rule out the Death Star because Obi Wan doesn't know what the Death Star is. Uh, but well, that's an interesting thing I hadn't thought about before. The Death Star is already in production at the end of Revenge of the Sith, which means it's you know well on its way at the point of this it, series. If he but crosses Obi-Wan doesn't paths, know about it. he what? Obi-Wan doesn't know. Like, it, it, I would agree. That's what I'm that saying. I, That's what I'm saying. That's no moon. It's a space station. But he, he is having interactions with Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So it has to be completely separate from the Death Star. It could be a Star Destroyer. Uh, sure. Although I agree, uh, a planetary setting would be far cooler. Uh, you could have Geonosis. Go back to somewhere we've been before in that regard. I just don't know why. 
what it's not it's not going to be i don't somewhere new i don't want it to be somewhere new i don't know why it would be geonosis i don't really know why it would be naboo frankly as much as i'd love to go back to naboo and i don't think it should be mustafar unless they can find some way to to make that hurt the way it did last time but we've seen the visual before um mm. but ilum is cool it's an interesting yeah, idea it's very strong in the force icy planet ilum and starkiller base and so that would be kind of a cool one that's easily one of my favorite planets just because of all the different pieces that add up there and um ice and fire so that would be kind of a nice balance there and have obi-wan uh once again give up the low ground take the high ground what are the chances what are the chances that they'll be able to do a little uh force back and forth like uh ray and kylo can do um you mean like a kind of like a force skype that they have yes. like uh the the dyad uh, conversation i know they're they not a, i know they're not a dyad exactly but would they be able to commune in a similar fashion i would think that they could because i mean luke and vader do um and they're not a dyad but they're is so close in the force uh they don't see each other but they can converse back right. and forth and luke and leia and can. Luke and Leia can hear one another. They can't necessarily converse. And so there's all the, or yeah, I don't know if we've ever, yeah, we haven't actually seen them converse. They don't even do that in like the last Jedi. Um, Luke and Leia. Yeah. They just kind of recognize each other. They don't go back and forth. Whereas Luke and no. Vader kind of do a back and forth Correct. in the end of empire. Um, but yeah, that is, that is interesting. Cause I'd be like, I'd be curious to know what level they could do that. And that goes back to where I kind of, thought they were going to go with uh ray's heritage uh because i thought that that's why they were holding the obi-wan show back was because they were going to give us this exact thing again yeah uh and then we would have been like oh my god they have been talking for 20 years they just haven't seen each other for 20 years that's what all this has meant right like that would have been like super cool so i don't think they're going to give us that unless there's a force nexus involved but they could uh i just think it would be better if obi-wan and vader like both wake up in like a cold sweat from like a nightmare and then both know that they like know where they need to fight each other like they both wake up wait a minute behind the school at 3 p.m okay i'll be there <laughs> and like they both know where to like meet each other and so maybe under those circumstances it would need to be um mustafar or that pit of gundarks that they fell into we never know oh sure yeah we do need the rest of that story at some point that's right. Or maybe the we could go back to Cato Nemoidia because the business there didn't count. <laughs> it didn't count. Why would we revisit that thing? It didn't count. That's right. Well, they were going to make up for it, and so you can make it even. What else? What else you got? Uh, nothing else for the uh, the Obi Wan show, and not a whole lot else in the news world. Uh, just that the Acolyte uh, ha was incepted as a TV show long after the high republic and although it technically will fall in the era of the high republic it will have no impact on the stories that were initially created for the high republic and this is very logical because the majority of the characters for the high republic are humans and those stories are taking place about a hundred and fifty ish years i think or 120 years prior to when the acolyte will take place so most of those characters would be dead anyway right so it wouldn't make sense uh, so that was just a bit of confirmation uh, and also a little extra confirmation uh, on Good Morning America. Sebastian Stan was asked about just the general uh, Luke Skywalker 
uh, rumors, questions, and uh, theorizing people do. Uh, and he gave easily the best response he could ever possibly have given. Uh, and it was, if Mark Hamill calls me personally to tell me that he feels inclined to share this role with me, then I'll believe it. Oh, that's a really good answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, and I think that's the right way to do it. I, I've said before that I want Mark Hamill, like my first choice would be bring him back in some capacity, uh, ideally probably to do it in animation so that you just have so much more flexibility with that. But I'm just not uh, if... that psyched about people getting cast because of memes. You know, it's nothing against Sebastian mm. Stan. He kind of bears a passing resemblance to Mark Hamill. But like, I really think that there's just a couple of photos where he happens to look more like him than he actually does. And, and, and one or two in particular that maybe have been edited a little bit to make him look a little more like Mark Hamill. Uh, oh, no, no, there is absolutely one that most people think is not edited, but is edited. And yeah. it's one that people often have to be like told, no, no, yeah. no, that's not a real photo you're referencing. <laughs> right. And, and so, yeah, th there's a resemblance. I, I just don't think that that should be the only reason people get cast in things. That's that's my primary issue is that you have the same bone structure in your face. It's not a commentary on his on his acting. It's so much as just his energy. I don't really see it. Uh, and so why would we do it just because the internet was like, it has to be this. It's my, my, mm -hmm. my main, uh, example for this frustration that I have, or this hill that I, that I tend to insist on dying on is when it looked for Ashton a little, Kutcher? uh, well, Ashton Kutcher playing Steve Jobs is a great example that that actually is, a, it's even closer to what I'm describing because that photo of Steve Jobs with the two and a half men beard photo. came out and he, they kind of looked alike. And so they made a whole $20 million movie built around this one <laughs> photograph looking kind of like Ashton Kutcher. No, the example I was going to give is the the movie that never was, which was Sasha Baron Cohen as Freddie Mercury. There were, and he was attached to be in that movie for a little while. It was in the works, and there's like been a lot said on Howard Stern and, and Reddit about uh, why that deflated. But really, the only reason people got on board with that was because of Borat having a mustache. And that's mm -hmm. and it's again he's nominated for for best supporting actor in in an Aaron Sorkin movie that's right up my alley. Like I like Sasha Baron Cohen. No disrespect to his talent, but the fact that playing Borat a, a had a college Adam, student, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely playing outside of age. Um, but uh, it, it, Borat having a mustache is not a reason for him to play Freddie Mercury, and in and resemblance in general is not a good reason. So. I, I would I, definitely agree. Yeah, it's all about evoking the the essence of the character. But in that same vein, uh, I think Alden Ehrenreich did invoke that, but I also just don't think it works. Nope. And so I think at a certain capacity, there are certain characters that you can't do it with. And if you could get, say, like Millie Bobby Brown, sure. she's someone who maybe could invoke that, uh, like strong way beyond her years kind of character. Uh, Sebastian Stan, I don't know, as a more uh, calm, controlled Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, heavily cleaned up right. uh, with uh, an 80s haircut. I don't know. It's, it's, it's possible, but it's absolutely not something anybody should be jumping the gun at. Uh, and then my first choice is, is still Mark Hamill, whether it's animated or not. Who's so. the YouTuber who does a really good Harrison Ford? Who's that guy? Um, oh, yeah. Anthony and Gruber. So, yeah, he's a good impressionist. And I, I get that he also has an agent. And so he was in a Blake Lively movie. But, like, there are people yeah. who still completely, like, 
like bang on the door for him to play Han Solo. And that's ridiculous. Just because he looks like him. That's a ridiculous mm. thing to do. Yeah. I mean, if he could act like quite well, then it would probably have been the right decision. Yeah. But he was clearly not capable of carrying a movie. That's kind of an important thing. Huge. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, carry, capable of carrying a movie, just not yeah. capable of carrying not that Han movie. Solo's mantle. Yeah, you're right. Uh, whereas like Jonas Sutamo, also a little bit unfair, but he carries Chewbacca's weight well. Yeah. <laughs> he, he can get away with it, though. Yep. Because, you know, yeah. it's a walking carpet. <laughs> That's right. Being being bigger makes the role a little bit easier. All right. Well, we've, we've done our requisite uh, complaining about the internet. Uh, <laughs> any other news? No, that, that, that's, that's it. Uh, the internet is just giving us, uh, at the moment, just a, a ton of wonderful excitement around Obi-Wan, which is one thing that's great is, is as much as The Mandalorian has united people uh, as a fandom, everybody seems to love The Mandalorian, it still is a bit of a source for um, comparing it to other things in Star Wars. Whereas I think this will be, although this will create probably some prequel bashing, I think it will be maybe the most unifying thing that's ever come out of Star Wars if it sticks to the landing. Well, ironically, prequel bashing is a unifying Star Wars thing. Yeah, that's 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 fair. It's but le- it's, it's not less unifying harsh. the element the the element of the bashing is not no universal. Some no. people bash just to bash but it's it's something and maybe just time has softened it but it's a little easier going than when people really hate on the sequel trilogy and yeah and i don't have a lot of time people hate on people for hating on the sequel trilogy that's what's annoying that's a good point but also they hate on disney like they hate on the mouse and previously they were just like mad at george lucas who created star wars you couldn't be that mad you know yeah (laughs) you know like oh you gave us this and then you and you ruined our childhood. Yeah, you gave us more, and now we hate you for some <laughs> That's reason. Right. You ruined my childhood by <laughs> making my child's childhood better. Huh? <laughs> I realize now I didn't check as, for for any uh, star wow. for Star as the Wars. The man who said it's all for twelve year olds. Yes, it's all for, exactly. I think we're starting to glitch. This is a perfect time for us to to shut her down. I realize I, I didn't I didn't check any uh, birthdays, so we'll we'll double them up next week. But in the meantime, if you have any thoughts on the the new casting news for Obi-Wan Kenobi, we'd love to hear your thoughts or any ideas for other actors who have not been a part of the conversation but you think would have a good role in the show. Uh, let us know at Recorder66 on Twitter, Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Please always consider uh, rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast app so that other Star Wars fans can find us and we can, you know, find them in turn and until we are together again may the force be with you